this message could drastically change your church, not because of the speaker, but because of the Word of God. And I was reading in your church bulletin this past week, and, and uh, Brother Tony said this. He said, revival is a term that is often way overused and misunderstood. Revival is something we all long to see, but do we understand what we are asking for? We would love to witness an outpouring of God's power as we witness the lost coming to know Christ and the altars filled with God's people seeking the presence of God. But none of this happens just because we schedule a revival meeting. This comes through prayer. That's what your pastor said this past Sunday. He said it comes through prayer and brokenness. As we gather over these next few days, I pray. There's that word again. There's that word again. Pray. That the preaching of the word of God will fill our hearts and draw us closer to him. We should all be in prayer. There's that word again. There it is. For the third time, we should all be in prayer for personal revival. As I read that bulletin, I quickly realized that God would have me to bring this message tonight. On the screen, you're going to notice a verse, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse number 17. And that verse says, pray without ceasing. For just a moment, think about that verse. Meditate on that with me for just a moment as you sit in the pew tonight and notice that word without, those words without ceasing. We are to pray. Unceasing prayer. In other words, we have the opportunity to be in a conversation with God constantly. That verse speaks of an attitude of prayer. In other words, tonight, you could be praying As you're sitting in your pew tonight, you could be asking God to to really stir your heart tonight and show you something that you desperately need in your life. As we're walking down the street or driving in our cars or even brushing our teeth or just going about our daily activities, God says we can be in prayer. You know, we started our church uh, 21 years ago in Hot Springs, Arkansas, my wife and I, my brother and his wife, and, and you know, as we, as I look back on those those early days of gospel light, I, I, I was reminded that our church was birthed in prayer. I mean, five Wednesday nights prior to the first Sunday at gospel light, we had prayer meetings. And we would come together uh, as young pastors, and, and we would gather as many people as we could. And, and we didn't have very many in those early days, five, ten people. I think the last Wednesday night prayer meeting before the first Sunday, we probably had about 27 people gather And we prayed and birthed a church because of prayer. Before the church was ever started. Since then we've started and had many, like you have I'm sure, 24 hour prayer chains. And prayer teams and prayer lines and prayer walks and prayer meetings and prayer partners and prayer and fasting. But here's the thing about prayer. It seems that more than any other spiritual discipline, prayer is the one thing that keeps crawling off the table. Of all the disciplines in the Christian life, it seems to be the one thing that we have a hard time just hanging on to. I mean, we feel as if, you know, man, we had that. We had it. I mean, we were, we were a people of prayer. We were a church of prayer. We were a music group of prayer. We were a, a deacon board of prayer. We were a people of prayer. But, but what's happened? Crawled off the table again. 
Now it seems as if my busy schedule and all of the things that I've got going on have somehow replaced my prayer life. How many people know what I'm talking about tonight? It's a tough thing. And so tonight, here's the message. Because prayer keeps getting away, tonight I'm going to ask you to, to find it with me. Let's go after tonight. Let's get aggressive tonight. Let's determine by the, by the end of this message that, that we are going to attempt to get the, our prayer lives back on the table and become a people of prayer. And the goal of this message is that we would, we would get our prayer life going again, that we would become a, a church of prayer, that men would become men of prayer, that women would become women of prayer, because what you saw on that video will not happen again. No way. There is no revival, as our church bulletin said this week. There is no outpouring of God's Spirit. There is no glory coming down in the church without prayer. Prayer. And so tonight, uh, I'm not... I'm not just going to gloss over it. I'm not just going to say, well, let's just take a couple of minutes here and there and pray. No, I'm going to get to the meat of the word tonight. And my prayer, my prayer is that God will show all of us. And, you know, I was in my room praying for this meeting tonight, and I said, God, show me tonight something. I know I'm delivering the truth, but God, would you change my life? Would you change my life? Father, tonight, would you please come in in power, in a unique way, would you, God, do something in all of our hearts? God, as we think about our, our time with you every day, God, as we begin right now to be honest with ourselves, to get honest, every one of us, even the ones that are on the platform tonight, ministering to the audience, even us, the people probably who should have spent more time in prayer today because of the great responsibility you've given us. May we, God, tonight get honest and truly ask ourselves and be honest with ourselves. Where has the prayer gone? Where has it gone? And God, I pray that, Lord, that you would do something uniquely tonight. As our bulletin said last week, may we, may we God, become a people of prayer and expect nothing to happen. Expect nothing to happen at our church. Expect no revival. Expect no moving of your spirit. Expect nothing great to happen in this place until we become what we ought to be in this area of prayer. Show us in your word tonight, God. Show us in your word tonight. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 13 says, and it's on the screen, it says, yea, I think it meet, as long as I am in this tabernacle, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. You know, this message really, honestly, is about trying to stir you up to get you to remember. Remember when. Remember when your prayer life was, was what, it, what it should have been. Remember when you spent that hour in prayer. I want to stir you up. Logan, come on up here for just a second. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you what I'm talking about. Now, Logan, if I'm wanting to stir somebody up, I mean, if I'm, if I'm really, if I feel like maybe you're not completely paying attention, and, and look at that verse. It says, as long as I am in this tabernacle, so as long as I'm in the building tonight, as long as we're preaching tonight, my goal is to stir you up, all right? You got it? Okay, come on now. Come on. Are you awake? You ready? You good? You sure? You're going to listen tonight? You got me tonight? You're going to give me your attention tonight? Are you stirred up? I wish I could do that to everybody in this building tonight. I wish I could get everybody stirred up to listen 
Thank you, Logan. Happy birthday, a day late. <laughs> to listen and to get the message tonight. Stir you up. Here's the text. My favorite prayer text in the Bible, Jeremiah 33. Would you turn there with me? It's going to be on the screen, but if you'd like to turn, iPads, iPods, uh, Bibles, whatever you got tonight. And it, you won't have to turn anywhere else, but if you'd like to get there, here's why it might be a help. Because I'm going to give you four words tonight. And it might be a help to some of us to write these four words down in the margin of our Bibles or somewhere on our electronic devices to, to remember this message tonight. I want to make a really big deal tonight about Jeremiah 33. Because I believe God is calling us to become a church of prayer. A church that comes back to prayer. And, and I don't say that in an accusatory way like this church isn't a church that prays. I believe it is a church that prays. Just like Gospelite is a church that prays. But I already know. I just know the way it is. I know that there's not very many places that I could go where people in the congregation or the pastor or really for that matter anybody would say, I got this. Hey, listen, can I go out and get coffee? Because prayer is, oh, it's, it's all, with me, preacher, there's nothing you could say to help my prayer life. It's A grade, A number one, one to ten, I'm a 15. If you are, you can slip out of the building and pray that we would get what you've got. But the truth is, all of us, we were honest. We'd say, no, preacher, I, I, I need some help. I really want the glory to come down in my church. I want that paragraph that brother tony wrote in the bulletin to be real and to be true in my life and i know i must pray the first word is this write this word down the word invitation the word invitation is the first word for the message tonight god himself in this passage of scripture if you'll notice is giving this invitation look at jeremiah 33 verse 1 it says moreover the word of the lord the word of the lord Came into Jeremiah the second time. Oh man, that's good, isn't it? That's another sermon there. While he was yet shut up in the court of the prison, saying, Thus saith the Lord, the maker thereof, the Lord that formed it to establish it. Uh, the Lord is his name. Wow. Did you see what I saw? And do you see what I see? Four times in these two verses is referenced the Lord. It is obvious here that, that the Lord is, is the one who is inviting us to pray. And by the way, can I tell you something? Hey, the one who is making the offer is, is everything to how, how well the offer is to be received. I mean, he is making an offer here to you and to me to pray. The Lord is inviting us to pray. Now, can you imagine tonight if someone was in this building for the very first time that had never heard anything like this before? They'd never heard about prayer. They'd never heard about, you know, anything like, like you could talk to, to, to God. They'd never heard anything. And this was their very first time to hear it tonight. Can you imagine me walking up to them just one-on-one -on -one and saying, hey, bro, you're not going to believe this. What, what, what? Oh, listen, man, are you ready? Well, I guess so. Sit down. Sit down. This is incredible. Really? Yeah. Oh, this is unbelievable. What is it? The creator of the universe wants you to, to talk with him, and he will listen to you. 
Are you serious? The creator of the universe wants me to talk to him? And if I do, he'll listen? Yeah, I'm serious, man. Let's go right now. If that's true, let's do it right now. But the familiarity is what brings the contempt. It's the fact that we've heard this so many times that it keeps crawling off the table. Another message on prayer, somebody tonight thinks. Another time where some pastor is going to get up and give us a message about something we've heard a thousand times, that's the problem. It's the fact that we have heard it so often that we've lost sight of the fact that when we pray, we are talking to the creator of the universe and he actually listens to us. How awesome is that? How awesome is that? Notice verse 3. The Bible says, call unto me. The Lord says, the Lord says, the Lord says four times, call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things thou knowest not. The Lord makes the offer. Call me, God says. Call me. Call unto me. How often do we run to our spouse with a kid problem when we should be running to the Lord? How often do we run to a friend with a relationship problem when we should be running to God? How often do we run to a boss with a work situation, a work problem, when we should first run to God? How often do our fingers run to social media and post something? How we feel? When to get it out there? When if we'd run to God first, we'd probably never post something on the internet we shouldn't be posting anyway. Call unto me. Call unto me. The average person speaks 34,000 words every day. The average woman speaks, just kidding, and uh, sorry, I, I got carried away there. You know what I'm talking about? Okay. 34,000 words every day. 34,000 words is about half a book. Half the average book, 34,000 words. Thought. I wonder how many of those pages are given to God. One page a day maybe? Max two? couple of pages a day here's my challenge I'm asking us of all the words we say every day let's give God a chapter let's give God a chapter pray without ceasing pray without ceasing what an opportunity to talk to God all day to give him to give him 10 12 13,000 words a day Lord I love you God help me today Lord I need you today Lord I need you I come I confess without you I have I don't have any rest God I need you God would you help me today would you give me wisdom today God I'm about to talk to somebody about you Lord help me to say exactly what you want me to say and I've just spoken about 50 words to God isn't that awesome and I can do that all the time I can do that several times a day I can do that dozens of times every day I wonder tonight if I could challenge you to give God more of, of your conversation every day. Now notice it says call. Notice that word call. Call unto me. That word call there, that's an expression of intensity. God is not saying whisper to me. God is not saying chat with me. God is not saying have a little talk with me. I don't like that song. I, I'm not saying it's wrong. But God says, call, call unto me. That word has a sense of intensity. It's an expression of, of intensity. 
Now, now, now wait a minute. If, you, if you're wondering whether or not it is a, a, an expression of intensity, let me ask you to notice with me, where was Jeremiah when God said this? Look at verse 1. Verse 1 will show you and tell you. It says here, moreover, the word of the Lord came into Jeremiah the second time while he was yet shut up in the court of the prison. Jeremiah is, is in prison here. And God says, while Jeremiah is in a bad way, he's in a bad way, he's in a tough spot. And Jeremiah says, call unto me. You know, sometimes we find ourselves in a prison, don't we? Sometimes we find ourselves in a tough spot. I mean, I don't know about you, but there's not many days that go by. Not many days that go by that, that I don't find myself in at least one or two tough spots. Just situations that I'm a little uncomfortable. I'm not certain about. I'm not sure how this is going to work out. And what should I do? Call. Call. When does a child call out? A child calls out at night. When they're scared. A child calls out when, 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 when they're not sure what, what's going on and, and when they're hurt. When they need help, a child cries out, don't, don't they? Just about four nights ago, I think it was Thursday night, Chloe, our, our, our 12-year-old daughter, 13-year-old, just turned 13. And, but yet she's still my little girl, you know. And sometimes she still gets scared. And Chloe came to our room about midnight, and she said, Mommy, Daddy, I don't know why, but I'm scared tonight. And she was intense. And she said, I don't know why. I didn't watch anything on TV. I, I, don't, know, I don't know why, but Mommy, Daddy, I just, for some reason, I'm just a little afraid tonight. I don't know why. Just, I'm just afraid, and, I, and I, I don't want something to happen without you guys being with me. And she goes, I know this is weird, but can I sleep at the end of your bed? What do you think we said? Go back to your bedroom. We were, no. Sure, sweetheart, no problem. Here, let me make a little room for you. It's going to be fine right, right at the end here. Hey, she was intense, though. She was crying out. For some reason, she was afraid, and she cried out to mom and dad. That's what God is asking you and I to do. To cry out when we need help. To cry out when we're afraid. What time I am afraid. That's when I'll cry out. That's when I'll trust him. God says cry out. Hey listen I know you're in a prison Jeremiah. I know you're in a mess. I know you don't know where this is going to go. I know you've been here a while. Hey Jeremiah cry out. Several years ago a deacon in our church. Gave me a little gift that I had no idea. Was going to impact my life like it has. He just said, you know, preacher, I've got a little book here I want you to read. It's from a guy named Bill Gothard. I've not heard much about Bill Gothard. I still don't know a lot about Bill Gothard. I'm sure not all of his views, not every one of them would line up with mine. But to be honest with you, I've probably got some views that don't line up with you. And you're listening to me tonight. I don't have to line up with everybody, especially when I read a book called The Power of Crying Out. When I read this little book, I had no idea the impact it would have on my life. As Mr. Gothard goes on to explain, 
the hundreds of times in Scripture, hundreds of times in Scripture, where God's people cried out for help, where God's people cried out to Yahweh, the Lord God Almighty, for help because they were in time of need. And I want to encourage you to read that book as well. I'm not preaching out of that book tonight. That's all I'll say about that book because I've got the book. But I did want to bring that book up because it's all about really this book, crying out. The scripture does not tell us to think our prayers. The scripture does not tell us to talk our prayers. The scripture does not teach us to, to whisper our prayers. We are to call out. God likes volume. Somebody says, well, the Ball Brothers, man, that music's loud. I like it. I wish it was louder. <laughs> but I know it can't be because down here, Sometimes we do have ear problems, but up there, all your ear... Hey, all you folks that don't like loud music, I can't wait till we get to heaven. <laughs> it's going to be loud, man. You think 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands singing ain't going to be loud? It's going to be real loud. <laughs> and you know how sometimes people sing up here and they go... You ever had that happen, Richard? CT last night. Amen. And when we get to heaven, it's going to be, turn it up, turn it up. I want to sing to Jesus. And what God says is, listen, when it comes to your prayers, I want you to cry out. And when you cry out, I'm going to tell you something. It's hard to do it with people around. It is. It's hard. My house has to be empty for me to cry out. It's not always empty, but when it's empty, I've got an opportunity. I, I need to be on top of a mountain or somewhere in the woods or somewhere, obviously, you just can't start. It would be inappropriate for somebody right now to stand up in a building where we're preaching God's word and just start screaming and crying. I say screaming, excuse me, crying out to God. But yet sometimes we need to find that spot and know what it's like to cry out to God with volume. I remember when my wife was sick, the second time she was sick, we had just planted our church in Hot Springs. My wife had a disease for 18 years called ulcerative colitis. And you knew about that, and you prayed for her, and some of you are familiar with wh what her situation was. And she would, you know, lose blood by the, by the uh, units. I mean, I, I guess you would call, you know, I'm not sure how, how much blood is in, is in a unit of blood, a pint of blood. I'm not sure how all that works, but I know that she needed three units of blood on three different occasions. And those were the three major occasions that my wife's life was almost taken from her because of the loss of blood that she would lose through her, through her colon because of this kind of volcanic disease that would just flare up in her colon. The second time my wife experienced this, she also had uh, some, 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 another twist to this disease where very few people have. In fact, I think one out of every thousand people who have ulcerative colitis suffer also from gangrenose. I can't, remember, I can't say the word. She wouldn't know how to say it, but it has something to do with the, the colitis actually trying to come out of your skin and creating awful an awful situation, not just on the inside, but on the outside. So my wife went to the hospital, and she spent 29 days in the hospital two months after we started our church. So here I am, a young pastor. I'm in Hot Springs, Arkansas. I'm trying to plant a church from scratch with nothing, just, just, a, just a handful of dollars and a few people. And we're, we're, we're knocking this thing out and trying to gather some folks together and, and build a church. Carol Ann loses three pints of blood. We rushed her to the hospital. They put three pints of blood back in her and tried to, she went down to 85 pounds. She's only five foot, so you don't need to be losing a whole lot when you're just 100 pounds anyway. 
She lost, then went down 85 pounds. And day 23 of the sickness, I'll never forget it. Turning point in my life. Illustration for tonight's message. 23, she, day 23, she called me at 2 o'clock in the morning. You see, what I'd have to do is I'd have to go to the hospital and spend as much time as I could with her, but then I'd have to go pick up Matthias, my baby boy at the time, my firstborn, who was one years old. And I would take Mo, and I'd pick him up, and Bob, Bob Ellison, our, one of our champion students, is here tonight. He's a Columbus, Ohio native. His dad's a pastor downtown Columbus, and he's, he knows Mo. Bob's eaten at my house a bunch of times, and so I'm going to tell you a story about old Mo here. But I changed Mo's diapers. Let me tell you something. I am a professional diaper changer because for 29 days, <laughs> I had to do it. It was tough, but it was what the situation called for. My wife calls at 2 o'clock in the morning. She says, honey, would you please come up to the hospital? I just want you here. I don't know why. I'm just afraid. They told her the day before that she probably would have her leg amputated because the, the, the sores that were coming out of her calf area were so nasty and disgusting that, 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 that it, was, it was eating into her bone. And, and they were talking about to stop the gangrenosum, they would have to cut her leg off. And this is a, a beautiful you know, 27-year-old lady. And so things were really not well. We were... We were kind of in prison. I said, sweetheart, I'll be up there quickly. I didn't really think much about it. I was fine. I, I realized she needed me. I take Matthias. I call my brother, Brett, who lived across the highway. I said, Brett, I lived in a mobile home at the time. And I said, Brett, is there any way I can come over, drop Mo off, and, and then I'll go up to the hospital with you? He said, sure, bro, come on over. So I come over at 2 o'clock in the morning. Cindy comes to the door. I hand her the one-year-old baby. She rushes to the to the, to the, um, to the, to the bedroom, puts him to sleep. I rush to the hospital. And... Uh, as I got back on the highway in front of Magic Springs, which is an amusement park in our city on Highway 70, something happened. I broke. I mean, I flipped out. I mean, I'm telling you, I reached a point where I realized I can't take this anymore. And I pulled the car off, a 1988 Cutlass Supreme Oldsmobile. Pulled the car off to the side of the road, 2.30 in the morning. I got out of that car, and I just started crying out to God. 30 minutes of crying out to God, crying out. I probably just said a few words, but I said them over and over again. God, I can't do this. We can't do this. We're just trying to do your will. You've called us to this city, but there's no way that I can, I can, I can pastor this church without my wife. I, I, can't, I don't know if I can handle this anymore. And, and, and God, would, would you please help me? Would you help me, God? Would you help me, God? Would you help me, God? I remember after 30 minutes of crying out with full intensity, I remember being so weak. Joe, I was sweating. I was worn out. I got back in the car. And I remember my voice was raspy. I was hoarse. I, I mean, 30 minutes. Have you ever tried to cheer in a ball game at the top of your lungs for 30 minutes? For 30 minutes. I got back in that car. I drove to the hospital. And I can tell you, I felt a peace come over me. I don't know. I just felt, okay, God, it's yours. I'm going to go see Carol Ann. The next day, the doctor walked into the hospital room. He said, you know what? Strange things taking place. But, you know, that skin graft, they took a skin graft from her hip, and they put that skin graft over the top of that wound. And, and, and he said, you know, I, I, this is strange, but, but, but I don't think we're going to have to amputate. I think her leg is, is going to be okay. It's strange. I, yesterday, I wouldn't have told you that. But today, I'm going to tell you something different. And I'm thinking, Lord, it don't take you long, does it? Man, when you cry out, when you cry I believe God is waiting for his children to cry out. How bad do you want it? Amen. 
video, man. Starts off with a little group of people. It didn't go so well at first, but Jeremiah Lampfear, that businessman in New York City, didn't stop. He kept praying and praying, and then a dozen, and then two dozen, and a hundred, and a thousand, and ten thousand every day. The great awakening takes place in America because people were crying out to God in volume. I can think of times when we needed more space in our buildings at Gospel Light. I remember a time we needed $500,000 to purchase these new facilities. And, and I remember when he said that, when he said five, you need $500,000 before we would ever consider lending you money to buy that, that big facility over there. I remember our budget for the year was less than that. And I'm thinking, okay, you want us to give you in six months a half million dollars. We don't take up a half million dollars in a year for the budget. And again, because I'm going to be thoughtful of time tonight, I just want to tell you this. God, because of the crying out of God's people, we would get together every Saturday night, and we'd get together for just a few minutes in the old building, and I'd say, okay, guys, it's time to pray. And about 40 of us would walk across Hobson Avenue, and, and we'd walk across the parking lot of the big Second Baptist Church, across the street from us, who owned 14 acres of property in the city, and we'd walk across that, and we'd meet on the front stairs of their church at 930, or uh, excuse me, 830. And I would say, okay, guys, uh, we're going to just have a short word of prayer, and then it's just crying out time. I said, get your partner, and I'll see you back here in one hour. And they'd get a partner, and for one hour, 20 groups of men, sometimes 30, sometimes 40, depends on how many came. Most of the time, it's about 40 men. We just walk around the blocks of that church, crying out to God. Sometimes we'd have people open the doors in the neighborhood and look, and who is that? Who is that? What are they doing? Never had the police called on us, praise God. But can I tell you, in six months, God gave us the half million dollars. And God gave us those facilities. I believe God is waiting for his people. Listen, there's something about that is powerful about what I'm talking to you about tonight. I'm not making this up. This is scripture. James chapter 5 and verse 16 says, The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. If you look to the screen and just meditate upon that verse for just a moment. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. It's the last part of that verse. Do you see that? Do you see that? The effectual fervent prayer. Think about those words. Availeth much. I'm not saying that prayer doesn't work. I'm saying that effectual prayer, fervent prayer, loud prayer, prayer that cries out to God. Hey, it avails much. I don't know. How much help you need tonight. I don't know how much money you need tonight. I don't know how much healing you need tonight. I don't know how badly you want your prodigal son to come home tonight. I don't know how bad you want your prodigal daughter to come home tonight. But I know this. If you want that bad enough, you'll cry out with effectual, fervent prayer. Because it avails much. Much. I'm not making this up. This is Bible. There's something that takes place in the heart of God when his children get themselves out on a limb and cry out, I can't do this by myself. I've got to have your help, God. I've got to have your help. You have not because you ask not. You have not because you ask not, James said. Or maybe we ask amiss. We just ask foolishly. We ask without really much intensity. Three verses in a row here, real quickly. Psalm 116, verse 1. I love the Lord. 
I love the Lord. Why do you love the Lord? Why do you love the Lord? I'll tell you why I love the Lord. Because he hath heard my voice. I love the Lord. Why do I love the Lord? Because he heard my voice and my supplications. I love him tonight. Don't you love him? Do you love him tonight? I love him tonight because when I talk to him, he hears me. He hears me. He hears my voice. He recognizes my voice. It's amazing, isn't it? That verse is amazing. I love the Lord because he's heard my voice. Romans chapter 8, verse 15. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Father, 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 oh Father. I need you. Every hour I need you. Oh, help me now, my Savior. I come to thee. Psalm 50, verse 15. And call upon me in the day of trouble, in the prison, in the, in the tough times, and I will deliver thee. And when I do, guess what you're going to do? You're going to glorify me. You're going to like it when I deliver you. But I won't deliver you until you cry. You call out, you cry out, I deliver, you praise. It's awesome. It's incredible. It just works that way. And by the way, it isn't finished until you praise. I don't think we should be asking God for anything else that we haven't thanked him for already. Amen. That's what happened to those lepers. <laughs> they got healed, but only one returned to give thanks. And so Thanksgiving's a big part of prayer. Word number two. And I'll spend more time on the first word than the other three, trust me. Word number two is this. Invitation, call unto me. And then the verse says what? I will answer thee. So what happens? What will happen next? If I call God, what will happen? God says, you call, I will answer thee. Invitation, then write this word down, insurance. Insurance. No, not state farm, not all state insurance. But this kind of insurance, listen. Titus chapter 1 and verse 2 says, God cannot lie. Do you see that on the screen? In hope of eternal life, which God, God, that cannot lie. It's not that he won't lie. It's that he can't lie. I mean, it's impossible for God to lie. If I were to go to Joe tonight and say, Joe, would you stand for just a minute, Joe, just for half a second? How tall are you, Joe? You're 5'10", okay, I'm 5'11", and uh, I think, and uh, Joe, listen, uh, you ever high jumped? High school a little bit? Joe, I was thinking, you know, I was thinking about maybe tonight after the service, just setting up, kind of rigging something where it would be a seven-foot high jump, and just, I was going to ask if you would run as fast as you could and jump. Do you think you could, do you think you could? I think Pastor Dave could do that. Pastor Dave could do that, but, but I'm asking you. You don't think you could do it? You know what, I mean? what if you tried really hard? I mean, we want you to try really hard and just jump and try to jump seven feet. Do you think you could do it? No, you're, you're not able to do it, are you? Not capable. Thank you, Joe. Not capable. Hey, listen, I overspent at Christmas. I, it, 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 I don't know what happened. I just got crazy. And I need to borrow. First name again, I'm sorry. Norman, I knew that. My bad. I apologize. Norman, I need to borrow a million dollars. Now listen, I'm not finished. I need cash, and I need it tomorrow at 9. So if you don't mind, if you could get to the bank at about 8.30, you know,
you know, I'm good for it. I just overspent. I know it's crazy, but it, could, could you lend me a million dollars? You can't? You're not able. Norman, I'm kind of thinking if I collected the money we all got tonight, it wouldn't be a million dollars. You're just not able. Well, can I tell you something? God is not able to lie. He's not capable of it. I mean, it's not that he won't give me a million. It's he can't give me a million. It's not that he, he, he wouldn't try. It's that he, he's not capable of jumping seven feet on a high jump. And God is not capable of lying. you got to understand that when you begin to think about how important it is for us to understand that, that he will answer us. God says, call unto me and I will answer thee. Why will he answer us? Because he's able. He's able to do that. He cannot lie. Isn't that awesome? I love it when we take Scripture and just allow Scripture to complement Scripture. So Isaiah 46, 11 is absolutely off the charts. You've got to see it on the, on the screen. Isaiah 46, 11 says, I have spoken it. I will also bring it to pass. I have purposed it. I will also do it. How do you like that? That's what God says. I've spoken it. I'll bring it to pass. I purposed it, I will do it. You know, it's interesting that most answers to prayer are yes. They really are. In fact, to be honest with you, God answers all prayer. Amen? Not one prayer God doesn't answer, but there are three ways he answers. Right? The first answer is this. What? Yes. Amen? That's the first way God answers. Yes. Most biblical prayers get the answer, yes. Think about it with me for just a moment. I don't know that I've ever prayed for wisdom and not received it, ever. I think every time I've ever asked God, I I believe asking for wisdom is a biblical prayer, yes or no? James chapter 1, I believe, tells us that we could ask for wisdom and God will give us wisdom. I don't think when I ask for wisdom that God says, hey, we got any wisdom left? Hey, somebody check the wisdom bank. Got Eric down here in Hot Springs asking for a little wisdom for a sermon, uh, Oh, we're all out. Sorry, Eric. We're out of wisdom. Check back next week. I don't think I've ever asked for strength. Ever. I asked for strength tonight. I mean, believe it or not, we preachers, we're not supermen. We, we, when you get up in front of a crowd and, and you feel the weight of the responsibility to speak 35 to 45 minutes in a revival meeting, that people have come out on a Tuesday night, hey, this is not something I want to play with. And, and so I, I need strength, God. Would you give me strength? Hey, Gabe, check about that old strength. We got Capace in a hotel room in Columbus, Ohio, and he's talking about needing some strength for some revival meeting tonight. Sorry, God, we, we just had a guy up in California just get the last bit of strength we got. No. Listen, I can ask for strength, and God will always give me strength. I don't think I've ever asked for peace, and God not give it to me. You pray... Most prayers, most biblical prayers are going to get an answer, yes. But there's a second answer, and that answer is no. The Bible says you have not because you ask not, or you ask amiss. That word amiss means foolish, just, just a foolish prayer, just a ridiculous prayer. Like, like negotiating, like, okay, God, here's the ultimatum, God. You either give me strength tonight, or I'm never preaching again. God's not interested in your ultimatums. He knows what's best. He knows what he's supposed to do. He just wants you to trust him. You just ask, and God will do what needs to be done when it needs to be done. When we throw those ultimatums out there, that's foolish. 
It's foolish for us to tempt the Lord God. It's foolish for us to give him some sort of ultimatum. That answer is going to be 10 times out of 10, no. But then the third answer is what? Wait. Wait. Yes, most of the time. No, sometimes. And then other times it's wait. Wait. God says, listen, just not now. I'm going to answer that prayer, but I need you to be patient. I need you to trust me. I need you to keep asking. And the answer's coming. And in most of the time, the answer's going to be yes. But I just need you to wait. But when do we forfeit wait? We forfeit yes, rather, because of doubt. We pray with doubt. James chapter 1 in verse 6 on the screen. But let him ask in faith. Nothing wavering. Nothing wavering. Let him ask in faith. In other words, God... I'm asking you to do this, and I believe you're going to do it. I believe, God, you're going to do it. You may not do it now. You may do it now. But, God, I am asking in faith that you save my brother, that you save my sister. God, I'm asking in faith that you'd meet this need, that you'd help us to, 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 to do your will for our lives, that you'd help us to, to continue to grow as a church, to, to follow you. God, I'm asking that in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. Doubt. Doubt forfeits the yes. And so let's, let's not doubt while we're waiting for the answer. Word number three. We said invitation, call unto me. We said insurance, I will answer thee. And then notice the next phrase in my favorite prayer verse in all the Bible. Call unto me and I will answer thee. Here it is, number three. And show thee great and mighty things. Number three, word number three, inspiration. Inspiration. And show thee great. And mighty things, wow, great things, great, God wants to show me great and mighty things. Now, let's remember, church, just for a moment, Jeremiah was in prison, right? He'd been there a long time. Some places I studied talked about Jeremiah may have been in prison for 50 years. Again, I don't think that can be founded necessarily, but let's just say he was in prison for 50 days. (laughs) He was in prison. He's not sure what's going on. It's a tough time in Jeremiah's life. If you're here today or tonight and something is going on in your life and you're saying, if God really is, then why is this happening to me? If God really is, then why why X? Why this? The answer to that question, Madison, is prayer. The answer to the question, why is this happening? Is prayer. Jeremiah 33, 3. Call unto me and I will answer thee and I'll show you great and mighty things. Tough times are prime times for prayer. Tough times are prime times for prayer. Prison times are prime times for prayer. When you're sick, it's a prime time for prayer. When you're poor, it's a prime time for prayer. When you're sick, it's a prime time for prayer. Jeremiah was in prison. And we're often defeated. We're often defeated in our tough times. We often give up in our tough times. How many people, Pastor Tony, have you invited to church only to hear them say, you know what, I'm never going back to church because one time, and they tell you the tough time. And ever since then, they've walked away from God because of prayerlessness. And oftentimes we're defeated. We're defeated because of prayerlessness. All the things we forfeit, the songwriter said, because we just didn't take it to the Lord in prayer. Prayer. 
So there's some enemies of prayer. Could I give you three enemies of prayer tonight? These are things that keep me from praying. I don't know if they keep you from praying, but I'm going to tell you three things that keep me from praying. Number one, anger. Anger keeps Erica Pacey from praying. This shouldn't be like this. I shouldn't be like this. I don't like it. I don't accept this situation. I'm not good with this. And we get angry. So we go to posting something on the internet. Oh, how many hundreds of times have I seen foolish Christians post their opinions on the internet and if they just would have prayed. There's no way they would have posted that angry statement. No way. There's no way. Because anger keeps us from praying. But if we pray, we don't get angry. If we pray, we love our enemies. If we pray, we we pray for those who we disagree with. If we pray, we pray for those who we'd like to see change. Because it's only prayer that's going to make the difference. And then what do we say? We don't want to say it now. We're too deep into the message. The Holy Spirit has convicted us too much already. But what do we say? Well, you know what? I just kind of gave up. Exactly. Don't give up. Don't get angry. Anger is often an unrighteous response to circumstances. Number two, fear. Fear. Fear is an enemy of prayer. Is this really going to work out? I just don't know. I'm just afraid. I'm afraid it isn't going to work out. I, 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 I can't believe that, that it's really going to work out. And I, I'm afraid that it's, it's, something's not going to work out here. Something's not going to happen that I really need to happen. And fear, fear keeps us from praying. Number three, the word doubt. Doubt keeps us from praying. Is God's word really good? Is God really good? Is he listening when I pray? Does he even listen? I mean, is this real? Is this really real? We're all prone at some times in our life to anger, to doubt, and to fear. So don't feel alone. We're all prone to that. I am prone to that. But that's when God steps in, in that time of desperation, right? In that prison time, in that tough time, God steps in and says, Hey, I want to show you great and mighty things. And we're like, wow, this is awesome. God showed showed Jeremiah Lamphere great and mighty things when our nation experienced a great awakening because of desperate days, hard times, poverty, a recession. But Lamphere said, I want to see something great. I want to see God do something mighty. And so we've got to resist anger, resist fear, resist doubt. Let me ask you a question at this point in the sermon, and I'm almost done. Have you ever raised your voice and cried out to God in prayer? When's the last time you did that? I mean, sometimes I really believe we need to ask ourselves those very serious, honest questions. God knows. You don't have to answer out loud. But could it be that God is calling us tonight to prayer? But not just to to, to average prayer, to to prayer that cries out to God, the power of crying out to God, the the prayer that avails much. Could it be that God is calling us to that? And therefore, I would ask you to answer honestly, when is the last time, if ever, that you have cried out to God? I don't say that to scold you. I say that to motivate you. I say that to inspire you. God wants to show you something great that you have not known, that you have not known. You don't know it right now, but God knows it. And God says, I want to show you something great and mighty. The greatest things that have ever happened in Carol Ann and I's marriage have been great answers to prayer. Did you hear me tonight? True statement. 
the greatest things that have ever happened. I already told you one. My wife tonight is healed from ulcerative colitis. Amen? Three bouts with it. 18 years of struggling through that incredible disease. Pints and pints of blood lost in the toilet of our bathrooms and rushed to the emergency room. And pints of blood where we're praying during times... And you know what it's like to have to get three pints of blood and be concerned about blood that could be contaminated during some times that blood was a little risky and those kinds of things in that era and all of that. And so here we are crying out to God at different times and God didn't choose to remove the ulcerative colitis but God chose to give us a doctor at Baylor University Hospital in Dallas, Texas who loved the Lord and who somehow found a way to love us and he took us in his arms this doctor did and he walked us through the process and he said you've got to remove your colon Caroline. you're going to have an ileostomy for six months and I know you don't want one and Eric I know that's hard on, your, on a husband but you've got to trust me on this we can put it back together there's a new thing out called a J-Pouch and Eric if you'll trust me it's scary. I know it's scary. It's risky. Your wife's going to have a scar. It's not going to be the same. She's going to have to go to the restroom more often, but she will not. She will not have this disease anymore. And God answered our prayers. And this man gently took my wife and removed her colon and, and, and healed her. And today she lives such a normal, awesome, wonderful, beautiful life. And then the hospital bills came. The first one was 75000 from Baylor University Hospital. We wrote him a letter. We said, look, here's the deal. You know, we're in the ministry. That's no excuse. We're going to pay this. But we just got to wait for times of, you know, times of plenty to come. And, but for now, we can afford $10 a month. Well, $10 a month on $75,000, Brother Tony's going to take a while. But I'm a man of my word. So for the first six months, on the same day every month, I mailed a check for $10. On the sixth month, I got a letter from Baylor University Hospital. I thought it was going to be collections and suing and whatever else they do. Put a sec, you know, uh, lean on your house, you know. And the letter simply said, Mr. Capace, we have been reviewing the letter that your wife wrote to us. And we've decided to write off your entire hospital bill. And enclosed is a check for $60. Amen. Hey, David danced before the Lord. Amen. Woo! Say what you want, brother. That's what I did. Amen. I had a dance before. I said, well, honey, we got 60 bucks. It's date night. <laughs> Great and mighty things. Have you ever gotten a check handed to you for $75,000? I have. God's good. God's good. I think about the starting of our church. Oh, my. Miracle after miracle. I think about the restoring of our son, Matthias, who many of you know. You didn't know him, though, four years ago when he had a six-month period in his life where he kind of strayed from God, and we didn't understand it because this was the perfect kid. This was the kid that just never, never rebelled. He, he was just awesome. He was a leader. But, but something got in his life. A, a young lady slipped in and, and, and began to, 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 to just kind of really upset the family, and, and, and we, we didn't take it out on her because she, we tried to love her. Long story short, we were just trying to counsel and love and pray for our son to do the right thing and for six months he battled and we almost lost him but we cried out to God oh God 
This is it. He's going to make a decision right now that's going to determine the rest of his life. And God, we give him to you. We just give him to you. He's not listening to us anymore. It's, it's not even worth us talking to him, God. In fact, we believe we, we'd be sinning to talk to him because, God, it's out of our hands. He'll only change if you do it. And today, in 18 days, my wife will marry a pastor's daughter. My son will marry my wife. <laughs> oh, God. America's going down the tubes. Pastors' wives are marrying pastors' daughters. That was your favorite statement in the whole message. Amen? You ain't going to believe what pastors' wives doing. I'll stop listening after that. My son's marrying a pastor's daughter in California. He's written about 25 songs. He leads worship in our children's ministry. He sings in our church constantly. He preaches God's word. He's coming back. He just graduated from champion. He's coming back to teach history in our high school. He's, he's our assistant youth pastor. Would you like me to go any further? I've never met a kid like Mo. In fact, right now, I can honestly say, of all of us in the family, including me, nobody is on fire for God more than Mo. I've never seen anything like it. Kids on fire. For, I'm, it's, it's absolutely like you've got to. God, you are awesome. I know I asked you to salvage him, but you went overboard. He's out of control. The kid is going crazy, God. He loves you with all of his heart. This is unreal, God. You're awesome. You're great. You're mighty. You did it again. Greatest answers to prayer came from crying out to God. Last word and I'm done. We talked about invitation. We talked about insurance. We talked about inspiration. Great and mighty things. Lastly, I want you to write this word down illumination isn't that a beautiful word illumination look at the verse on the screen call unto me invitation and i will answer thee insurance and i'll show thee great and mighty things inspiration which thou knowest not illumination now now god here is speaking of something that we don't know yet we don't know this yet but god says i want to let you in on a secret Something that I know that I want to tell you. I mean, listen, let's face it. Brother Tony, don't you love it when your wife has a secret? <laughs> I mean, okay, all right, I don't want to get gooey here, you know, all right. But, you know, I got a secret coming. Nobody knows. I love those little sweet secrets. And God says, hey, I got something I want you to know. Nobody knows this, but I'm going to tell you what it is. God knows things about our circumstances. God knew things about my wife's circumstances that I didn't know. God knew what he was going to do with my son that I didn't know. And God said, Eric, cry out. I'm going to show you some things about Mo that you had no idea he was capable of doing. Just keep crying out, Eric. It's fixing to get good. God wants to tell us certain things had to happen the way they did. God wants to tell us certain things had to happen, Madison, the way they did. You know what I mean? God wants to tell you that. Who else is hurting here tonight? You've lost a loved one. And you just don't understand. And God says, come here. Come here. Cry out. I'm going to tell you something you've been wanting to know. It's just between me and you. It's great. It's mighty. God wants to tell us what good is being accomplished that we can't see. I just can't see it. I don't understand it. It just it doesn't make sense to me. God says, I know, I know. I'm going to show you, just keep crying out. God wants to tell us how the future will be. It'll be better even though it seems impossible right now.
Tony, some of the things we've been talking about, just pastor to pastor. Some of the things right now that seem impossible. Some of the things that we wonder, how is God going to do this? And God says, Tony, Eric, I'm going to show you great and mighty things that right now you don't see and you don't know. But just keep crying out. Just keep crying out. It's coming. Which thou knowest not. How awesome is it to know something only you and God know and God gave you that in prayer? How awesome is that? I got some news for you. This is not something you learn in Bible college. I went to Bible college. I just graduated from a Bible. You don't learn this in college. You learn it in prayer. You, you don't learn this stuff in books. You don't learn this from buying a book. You learn it in, 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 in prayer. You don't learn this by going to small group or Sunday school class. You learn it in prayer. What do I not know right now, God, that I could know if I was more faithful in prayer? What is it, God? I'll close with this story. And this is what really brought on the message. Graduation two weeks ago at Champion. I usually invite friends to preach a graduation message, but this time I had met a man, not personally, but three emails and he was a businessman in Philadelphia I read a book he wrote on prayer and he was good friends with uh, Jim Cimbala the pastor of the Brooklyn Tabernacle Church in New York and, and I've always admired Mr. Cimbala I've read his books and I've always felt like he was an unusual man of prayer so I called Mr. Maxim didn't know him I just said look I don't know who you are I'd like to invite you to come speak at our graduation I just feel led to ask you and he said he said, Eric, I don't know. He said, uh, I don't know you, and I don't want to let you down. You don't know anything about me. He said, no, I know something about you, Mr. Maxim. I've read your book. I've read your book on prayer, sir. I said, God, God has asked me to ask you. I don't know that I'm right. I'll know that I'm right if you say yes. He said, let me pray about it. I called him back. Uh, I texted him a couple days later. I said, listen, the National Day of Prayer is the day before college graduation. And the city of Hot Springs just called me and asked if I would supply the preacher for the National Day of Prayer ceremonies. And I was thinking maybe if it came in a day early, even though you haven't promised yet for graduation, that you could speak at the National Day of Prayer in Hot Springs. It's a huge event. Our city does it upright. And then you could speak at our champion graduation. 24 hours later, he responded, I'll come. Mr. Maxim came. I'd never met him before. He did a phenomenal job at the National Day of Prayer. Powerful, powerful, just simple message. He's not a preacher. He's not, he doesn't do like CT and I do. He just, he's just a businessman, just an average guy like Jeremiah Lamphere. That's all. Doesn't raise his voice. Just a nice guy that loves God and prays a lot. Friday, the day of graduation, I said, listen, I want to take you up to West Mountain. I want you to see our city. It's pretty neat. And I think maybe some people in this building have probably been on the top of West Mountain. I don't know if you guys, did you guys get to go up there? I should have taken you. But I wasn't where I'm at right now, guys. I'll take you next time because God's done something. So I go up to, I'm going up to the top of West Mountain. This was a place that I've gone in the past hundreds of times to pray, but I haven't been in about two years. You say, why, Eric? Because prayer keeps crawling off the table in my life. That's why. Because I've got more important things to do than to go up to the top of the mountain and cry out to God for my city. That's why. So I'm on the way up to the mountain and I'm under conviction. He doesn't know it. He has no idea. I'm just under conviction because I'm driving up this mountain thinking, 
Whew, this sure feels good. He used to do this all the time, Capace. He used to go up to this mountain all the time and pray. And doesn't it feel good to go up this mountain? And the Holy Spirit's just, you know. We're talking, but I'm getting a lecture by the Holy Spirit. I get up to the top of the mountain, and I start my lecture, and it's memorized. I've got it, guys. I mean, it's my West Mountain lecture. It's all about, okay, there's where the church, see the church? See the church? See the church? You can, it's, and you can see it from the top of the mountain. It's a big 14 acres of property in the city. And, and, and there's the, the racetrack over there. And there's the airport. See the airport? And there's the lake. It's like Hamilton. And, and see over there? And I'm giving them all. And it's beautiful. It is beautiful up on top of that mountain. It's gorgeous. And I'm showing them all this. And finally, Mr. Maxim, he looks at me and he says, uh, hey, Eric, he said, I, I don't usually do this. He said, but do you mind if I pray? Sure what happened I had no idea was going to happen he steps up to the edge of that mountain and there's a little I mean it's a pretty long fall but there's a nice brick partition or rather stone partition and it goes up to about right here he steps up to that and I stand next to him and I kind of got my eyes open just a little bit you know I, mean, I don't know this guy he's not independent Baptist so I'm thinking it's probably not going to be Father bless the food in Jesus name amen you know I'm thinking it's probably going to be something different. Maybe he's going to speak in tongues. I don't know the guy from Adam. He lifts up his hands and he just says, God, he begins to pray. Ten minutes later, he's still praying. But after ten minutes, he, his prayer got more intense. I noticed it. It went to another level. I just stood there and a few times I said, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. I was under so much conviction. Twenty minutes into the prayer, it was getting louder. And I got to be honest, he was almost crying out, but he, he, it was loud. It would have been embarrassing had anybody else been on that mountain because he was, his voice was getting loud. 30 minutes into the prayer, by now, this was the volume. And God Almighty, we pray for the city of Hot Springs. Oh God, I pray for my friend Eric. I don't know why we're together. I don't know why you brought me into his life. But God, this is his city. And God, we know that you can pour your spirit out on this city. I'm weeping, and he's crying out, and 40 minutes later, he said, in Jesus' name, amen. Sweat was coming down his face. He looked over at me, and he said, I, I, I don't normally do that. I really don't, sir. I, I'm sorry if you've got a busy schedule. I said, Mr. Maxim, you have no idea what you just did for me. You see, it wasn't about you coming to the National Day of Prayer. And it wasn't about champions graduation tonight. It was about this moment on the mountain. I said, because Mr. Maxim, you're a businessman like Jeremiah Lamphere. That's all you are. You're just a regular guy that nobody really knows. You're just up in Philly trying to make a living and help churches, I'm sure. But Mr. Maxim, God has used you to change my life and to bring me back to get prayer back on the table. That was about two weeks ago, folks. It's a brand new message, and God has called me to tell you, please, please, wherever your spot is, wherever you can get in the next seven days, wherever God can lead you to cry out to God, wherever you can get to a place where you can just say, God, this is the prison in my life. This is what I don't understand. This is what I'm confused about. God, I need you to show me I can't do it anymore. I can't. I'm too afraid. God, please save my daughter. Save my son. Raise up my child. Do something great, God. You know I don't know, but I want to know. That's what God wants to do. 
Brother Tony said, our pastor said, none of this happens just because we schedule a revival meeting. He said it comes through prayer and brokenness. That's what he said. And it just so happens what he said kind of lines up with what he said. And so tonight, prayer is what it's all about. 